everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bad End Podcast. This is episode 46. We're getting up there. We're almost to number 50, and that's like a big, like, you know. It's, it's a, a big, big one. Right, right? I'm Katie McCarthy with usgamer.net, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm Kyle Cookstell. I I haven't done anything publicly regarding games. I'm, I'm a game developer, I guess. Sometimes my name's Josh Calixto. The way you say Cookstell sometimes, Kyle, sounds like you have the same last name as me. Have you noticed that? Oh, anyway. I haven't. Right. Maybe yeah. we're related. Whoa. We could be long lost. I could be like your long lost brown cousin. Anyway, <laughs> Damn. Josh Calixto of Kotaku.com here slash, uh, you know, just just around in the video game spectrum. We play video games. It's bad end podcast. Um we're going to talk about some video games this week. Um, what have you guys been playing? I also want to I want to just start out and say that usually in Bad End Podcast, we apply a a very critical eye to the games that we're playing. But whatever, I don't know what's in the air right now, but it's like just gamer season with a lot of just like gamery fucking video games coming out. I think it had to do with like all of like the Marvel shit and like Game of Thrones and like every like nerd culture tentpole, it's like in the air. We're not getting any sort of like critical or like socially interesting <laughs> games. We're just getting some fucking video games. I think we've all been playing just some fucking video games. I also feel like we're reaching like an anti-critical fever pitch recently where it's like if you criticize something, it's like let people enjoy what they like. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't say no, there's anything definitely a lot bad. About that. It's like, you're like don't be freaking... mean to the people that like Avengers. And it's like, I mean, I saw fucking Endgame like this weekend, but also people get like a little too hyped, you know? It's like, people need to chill out just yeah. a teensy bit, you know? I mean, I'm all for, you know what? I have been known to like stuff in my life. As a person who likes stuff, sometimes. Your middle name is Stan. It's just right there. Joshua Stan Calixto. But sometimes I don't like stuff. And I think that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you don't like stuff. Sometimes the critic doesn't like something and they weigh in and you don't have to send them death threats or whatever. But uh, all that being said, I think we're going to see some interesting topographical changes in the critical landscape over the coming years. I think criticism is going to die. Did you guys like ask me, are we doing like opinions? on? Oh, Josh, I really care what you have to say right now. Okay. Just go, go through with it. I'm ready. Keep talking. Crits going the way of the dinosaur. I think people are going to start reading the great Gatsby hundred percent. Literally. They're going to start reading every piece of literature. (laughs) Totally. Literally. Uh, the Catcher in the Rye is going to be presented as a bio, uh, biographical novel, uh, and the world will be a better place because if we took everything literally and didn't read into any of the stuff that we read or play or consume, I think the world would be a better place. Um, well, it's not even that we don't read into it. It's that you read into it and you get like, you have the secret correct meaning. Like it's the proliferation of fan like the explainer. Theory. Fan, fan theory and like theory. explainers like i got yeah. like six notifications on my phone in the past few days that's like what avengers end game really <laughs> means or yeah. like or like i saw one where it was like um the secret meaning behind all the love death and robots episodes it's like who the f- like 
what you don't there's nobody needs that it, no one's like sitting there just being like man where's the vox video for this i just i can't as a person the explainer i need to where's know the explainer word? video where's i can't think for myself to make an opinion i gotta like i gotta find the explainer Dude, so i can speak with some authority sometimes when i watch those videos like someone will send me hey bro like you think a lot about uh movies <laughs> have you seen this video of like they interpret the ending of like the avengers it's so cool and i like they'll send me this video and it's like it's like the one person who like raises their hand all the time in your discussion section in college. They're like, Inception. Like, Have you considered Inception? Say, like this long ass thing. <laughs> they hijack every conversation of the TAs just like, yeah, that's one. So what do we think he's actually trying to say about? And then like just a completely different thing. That's just like, I don't know. The, 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 there's a lot of different ways that any piece of media could be read. And I think um, a lot of, this fan theory shit is like just so fucking weird when it comes to that man it just weirds me out we, this is something we could talk about later with other stuff but it it all ties in you know it's like every i don't know man people don't care about like interpretation or like they don't see it as like a useful thing but then when like everyone is shit at it they're like that's why everyone's mad at critics because they don't know how to like engage with fucking artistic interpretation and readings but um it's kind of bonkers me because that's like all i did in school was learn how to interpret shit and i'm like do people just not know how to do that yeah and it's but just that's not bonkers like, to me that's not like building chassis for buses or cars katie that's not useful come on uh, it's just it just makes me think like less STEM. of the world almost you know s-t-e-m and i think it it's especially relevant to like video games because like video games is like the most stemmy medium fucking imaginable oh, for sure anyway. yeah so stemmy it's like yeah. everything yeah coding is stem you yeah. know yeah. kyle would you say that i don't even know what your point is is it the most stemmy um, practice maybe yeah but i don't know how that's relevant to Listen, I feel the like real we word, sound Josh. Like stoned recording. This, like like... If you okay, if you went to school and studied computer science, your people aren't gonna look down on you the same way that if you went and studied like theater or like f some sort of fine art, they'd be like, yeah, "Go work at a fucking Starbucks, bro." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, anyways, uh, you want? To, I want to talk about some video games. I'm gonna open it up. With a very, I'm gonna take you way back. I'm gonna take you way back to the 1800s. Um, Whoa! I've been playing uh, Anno 1800 checkers, which is checkers, not what, checkers. What years that take place? Uh, well, I'm playing it in 2019, <laughs> but the game is in 1800. I think it's 1800. I, I don't know what the actual year is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and it so was like, like eighteen hundred, like oh six, but it's like that's not. No, no. So this is a this is a this is a sequel to. Well, I guess so. Like Anna was like a long running game of kind of like Anna was like a big city building franchise, and then kind of like went away a little bit. Or like basically, there was this Anno game that was like seventeen oh six, I think, or that was like really popular. That was kind of like a Victorian era. Uh, I don't know if that's actually the Victorian era, but they had big wooden ships. Um, that was like a kind of a city builder. And then they had a few like more future games. So they went like really far back and they had a few like kind of future building city, city builder games that were like, okay. 
but I think like the old Anno 1706 or whatever, um, like had a special place in people's hearts. And then they done did it and released a sequel Anno 1800 that came out probably a few weeks ago. And it's like fucking good. It's just like, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, if you've ever played a city builder, it's like it plays like Sim City, right? You're building places on a map or whatever. But what's really cool about Anno is that it's not just like if you play Sim City, it's like you're looking at basically like a parcel of land or even like city skylines or something. And like the whole everything is connected in the sense that it kind of shares the same locale. And like it's if you want to like build a city or like build like a residential area, like across the water, you just like draw a bridge and like drop, build the city or whatever. Um, the whole premise of Anno 1800 is that, so like you have an Island and you're like building kind of this like small settlement on it, but then there's also other islands and other people that are also on the map that are doing the same thing. So once you're kind of like little initial settlement gets to the point where you can like build a lot of ships and like move stuff around on the map and like the water, you can start go settling other islands so the game's got this kind of crazy, like, dynamic spiraling spaghetti of, like, building cities and, like, moving resources and building trade routes and, like, trading with people um, that makes it be kind of, like, a, a step above just kind of, like, building the city and making it be effective. It feels like you're really kind of, like, exploring and expanding around this, like, island area. Um, that sounds and it's like, like a, kind of, that sounds kind of civilization-esque. It's definitely like Civilization-esque, but it's kind of scoped smaller. So in Civilization, it's like, oh, like on one turn, you're farming. And on the next turn, you're like have, you know, super farming. Or then you've got the next turn, you've got like steel making. And then you're like moving through like ages, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas Anno is scoped much more locally. So time, time moves at kind of like a much slower clip. So you're like, it's, it works at the granular level where use like if say you want to build like shirts first you build like a pasture that has sheep and then you build a thing that is able to take in sheep to make shirts and then that can supply kind of like your local like area and there's like a few of these little supply line things that exist on the map and so you're kind of building them and you're placing them and like also it's should like totally be said this game is like fucking gorgeous like uh every like city building game pales in comparison to how this game looks and not just like the graphics are pretty, but um, like in every, like even in like city skylines, like you kind of zoom in on the map and it looks like it's like, it looks like what it looked like from far away, but just kind of like lower resolution. Cause you're closer. You're like, Oh, that building is, looks kind of shitty. It looks like a building that would be in a city builder mm-hmm. and fucking Anno. Like there are like actual people that are like fully modeled, like walking around in the town and like doing activities and people like pulling horse carts and they're chatting and people are like dancing and like walking around, like the whole city like feels like far and away, like so much more alive than like any city builder I've ever seen. Where you could just like spend like I want to say like hours, but like a lot of the time of me playing the game is like building some stuff and then just like watching the map like move. Like because you're moving resources around, you can actually watch people like shear the sheep and then you can watch that get loaded into a cart and you can watch the cart go to like the factory that the shirts get made at and then you just kind of watch this whole thing kind of come to life so it's got this kind of like element of like building and strategy but it's also just got this like vibrancy that's really compelling especially in that way of like making a game be about kind of creating or managing like a small world or something 
Um, this game has just got it. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just fucking good. It's just like a good, really good city building game. It's beautiful. It like plays well. It's like smart. It's also like they've kind of streamlined a lot of like the annoying parts of city building away so that it plays like it doesn't feel kind of heavy. Like if you think about playing civilization, you're like, fuck, I got to play civilization. And you like, it's like a, it's an effort. Yeah. Whereas Anno's got this kind of briskness to it where you can just kind of like hop in and have like a really meaningful like 10 minutes and then kind of like pop out. This sounds um, hype. You know how I have always had a passive interest in Anno because I feel like Anno 2070 yeah, it always is like on sale for like a dollar fifty on Steam. You're like maybe now is the time. <laughs> and I'm always like, this looks sick because I like city building games, but I always hate learning them. I hate yeah feeling feel. like I'm doing a bad job at all times playing them. Like I played a lot of uh, City Skylines, and I yeah. I'm yeah. not an urban planner, guys. I'm my citizens <laughs> are fucked. Like. Uh, my town is like tiny and then it's like okay i can do everything like i can manage stuff it's going well and then more people start moving in and i just get more anxious my road building gets all out of whack they start introducing new ways of like building roads and like minimizing traffic that i don't really understand and then all before you know it my shit's packed i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and i'm like i should just start a new game and now that i know more yeah. stuff yeah Civ, same exact way and I the, that's what I saw about I don't know I was like I would look at the things look at the screenshots and be like this looks hype but I didn't feel like I had that much like knowledge of it looks like it could be one of those games because of the name maybe that could be like way more complicated than that where yeah, it's like yeah. you know when you were a kid and you would read computer manuals for like how the systems worked because like tutorials weren't very good in games and it would just be like a fucking like how it's like a jet plane it's like a manual yeah and you're just like what the hell is this i thought i know 2070 was going to be that kind of game where it's like just impenetrable systems wise but now that you're saying it looks pretty it's easier to pick up it's a little <laughs> bit more micro level organization and uh micromanagement that you're, you're getting me a little get me a little hyped might i say i mean let me tell you, like, so one thing that this game does that, I mean, this might be a thing that's just in Anno. This is actually the first Anno I've played since I played 1706, which I don't even know if that's the actual name, but I played that one a long time ago. But the thing that this game does that is will tickle your little uh, city building interest, Josh, is that oh, I was like, um, my little you what, can, Kyle? Oh yeah, I didn't you know I was going to end. I could have been anywhere really. <laughs> tickle your uh, tickle your peach fuzz. Um, a it uh when you place buildings they're not permanent so you can actually place a building and then move it later so there's no like like if you wanted to you could literally build your whole city and then be like oh fuck i gotta rearrange this so you can literally just drag stuff around and you can destroy at like no cost there's no like there's oh no, like, like you destroyed this building and like people are fucking pissed off at you, you it's just get, like oh yeah. you destroyed it and you, you could it. get like everyone in the building is just like on the ground after you tear it down or whatever yeah. and they're like <laughs> eight thousand people died in a demolition accident yeah no no way lighter also this <laughs> okay. game does the thing that i i like fucking love which um i don't know how this i'm sure there's a word for this kind of system um but listen we're at bad end podcast we're big fans of cosmetics 
uh one of our first episodes was talking about how much like uh legend of zelda breath of the wild's got great cosmetics and there's a kind of a similar thing in city building um city building games where so most of the time in most city building games you basically place a building down and that's it what you can do in anno and how you actually do stuff is like so imagine i'm placing down like a sheep farm you have this concept of like modules so i place down a sheep farm and then i have the ability to place like sheep pastures as modules so you like place the farm down and then you can like place the pastures around it that all have like physical representation on the map and take up space um so you can actually like literally like you can build a wheat field and like actually dictate where the field is and how it looks and so and you have to do that because like the sheep thing is like oh like it needs at least one module to like produce but then you can also build more modules if you have more space obviously the cost benefit being like well you're taking up space but you're producing more sheep but the idea of like just building like uh, a sheep farm or like there's like you could there's like a pig um pig sty whatever it's called where you raise pigs you place like where the pig pits are and then you can also like um there's a wheat field where you're placing wheat fields like all this stuff is like it's just got this kind of immediacy that like a city building game lacks and i really think that it kind of ties into kind of the the level you're operating at where instead of kind of always being at this like twenty thousand foot view above the city like oftentimes you're, you're much lower uh so it's just like yeah it just feels good it looks good and that system specifically is just like that's like my fucking crack cocaine for city builders because <laughs> just that extra level of like you're not just placing a building you're like placing the thing that works with the building it's like yeah give you some more of that mm. so check it out wow haven't been this excited wow. for a city builder in a while speaking of cosmetics did you guys see that article on pc gamer that was like if you bought every Mortal Kombat oh, 11 yeah. skin, <laughs> it would cost six thousand eight hundred dollars. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I have disclaimer. I have written for PC Gamer in the past, but you know, so you could you could see something and it rubs you in a funny way. Um, I saw an article it was like, if I bought any every cosmetic in any game it would cost like six thousand dollars league of legends yeah, it's like yeah. the overwatch skins yeah it, league of legends and also like how the mortal Kombat store works i like wrote about this last week because it was kind of like a lot of misinformation going around mm-hmm. but it was like you can the store like rotates like what they do what fortnite does and what apex legends does like basically there's like a couple skins on the store every day and there's like other cosmetics like gear or whatever the fuck and you can like buy those with I think it's called crystal, crystal tokens or some shit. I don't fucking know. I'm not playing Mortal Gem Kombat. coins. Yeah, something like it's crystal something, uh, and you could pay, and that's like the currency Meth. you could buy. Uh, but like most of the skins, you just earn through like doing the super grindy like Towers of Time shit and this like crypt shit where you like walk around and open chests and you like use coins you earn in game on those. But they're basically loot boxes where you can like reset them, and that's like mostly why people are angry. But that whole like. $6,000 store is kind of funny because it's like eh, I mean that's kind of like any game like if you're buying all the cosmetics you don't need all the cosmetics it's cosmetics like, you buy- <laughs> like chill yeah. dude if you buy every train train simulator the, the it's $60,000 a pretty big problem from what I've heard in Mortal Kombat 11 like the act of like earning shit just takes way longer than it used to in the past games which is a bummer so it's kind of incentivizing you to like spend money on the micro train or the currency which is kind of like that sucks. That's like honestly not great, but mm. you know I don't really care. <laughs> like from whatever the story was, great. 
And I'm like, cool. I, I'm like not great at fighting games. The only fighting game I've ever like clicked with was Skullgirls. So I'm like, we've already had the conversation about like why haven't fighting games evolved like whatsoever in the past like three decades, but. <laughs> Like, just the fact that, like, unlocking characters is still a thing is just, like, come on, dude. Like, Well, it's not... I think you have the whole... Or I actually don't know how the characters unlock. Because it's mostly just costumes that you're unlocking now. And it's, like... So it's it's not, like... Yeah. It might be a thing... But it might be a thing where, like, during the story mode, you unlock characters. But I feel like, as far as I know, all the characters are available at the outset. But I totally could be wrong with that. I'm not positive. (laughs) But, yeah, unlocking characters sucks. Like, don't, don't do that in your games. Like, it's never fun everyone hates it like smash like i literally i probably would have played smash for a lot longer if i didn't have to unlock every fucking character in that game you know yeah it's just such like a bs way of like making it so like oh we right? have uh there's there's and stuff like, in I this game to play. do yeah yeah i'm like and smash had so much to do it's like i don't i don't know well, that, it's also like it's annoying because it's like a sucks. false it's like a false um like there's no like there's literally no reason to unlock someone and it doesn't make sense because it's either like, I bet like there's a fucking massive Delta between people. Actually, no, I bet there's, what am I trying to say? Let me tell you what the situation I think is true, which is that you basically got a ton of people who've unlocked like zero or one characters and you've got everyone else who's unlocked everybody. There's no like, like you're either like if you're playing like fucking Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat to the level where you care about unlocking characters, like you're gonna unlock everybody. If you're playing Smash Brothers to get all the characters, like you're just gonna unlock them. If you don't care, you're gonna unlock like, you know, three people because you like played your first versus battle, and then that's it, right? There's like no there's like no reason that like any sort of granularity exists between there. Because like if I'm an initial player too and I like want to play the character that was like in the trailer and I've got to fucking unlock them, I'm like, fuck that. Like I don't want to spend six hours just to play the one thing I want to do in this game. Instead, I've got to like burn through all your bullshit to unlock the character that like is just gonna be my character in a little game that's based around versus matches. That's bullshit. It's yeah. it's like so annoying. Yeah. It's so annoying. Yeah, because like I think I unlock like 10 people in Smash, and I was like I'm good. Like, I don't know. And they just recently put in Joker from Persona 5, and I was like, I really want to try that, but also, like, I didn't even put in the effort to unlock all the other, like, 500 characters or whatever. I think it's, like, 50-something. Also, but, like, you know, seems like very a lot. unscientific statistic, but roughly 80% of the people who buy fighting games do so on the spot so that they could just play with their fucking friends right then and right? there. That's how I feel. Especially Smash is a party game. Yeah. Honestly. Smash is way more of a party game than a fighting game. You download like, it, it. Your friends are there. Yeah. Oh, this place is Smash. You have fucking three characters. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I'll play Yoshi. You have to but... put all these poor, socially inept kids into the position where they're like, oh, sorry, I don't have all the characters uh, yet. Like, well, right? I'll just bring my Switch. Let me just bring it's my like Switch next fair. time. We'll just play on my Switch. Yeah, right? So, like, yeah, Braith unlocked all the characters. So, like, if people ever want to play Smash, we're bringing out his Switch because he's the one with all the fucking characters. He even has a fighting pass and, like, he does not play it anymore, but he fucking did it. And I was like, I don't understand that. 
I'm just imagining those like clips that Nintendo uses of like these idyllic scenarios of people like playing their video games on like New York <laughs> rooftops, and then they're just like pull out their Switch, and then the roster is like, like, you have the fucking characters? Embarrassing. It's like Mario versus fucking DK or some shit. It's like, <laughs> dude, dude, oh my god, Josh, what's up? We haven't talked about this on the podcast, but do you remember when we were at one of those events? <laughs> oh. Yes, yeah. One you remember that? I forgot that happened. Rooftop yeah, video yeah. game sessions. We're not going to say what or who it was for, but Josh and I totally <laughs> went to one of these, like, it was, a, it was a film shoot literally for, it wasn't like a console launch, Yeah. but we were totally at one of these, like, idyllic Brooklyn lofts where you had, like, sign a waiver because you were being um, filmed. They're like, you're going to be filmed and put inside of, like, an advertisement for, like, kids, like, like I don't know, like, cool 20-somethings playing video games in yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh and full God. on, like, yeah, it was, it was pretty <laughs> it was awesome. Crazy. There was hot dogs. There oh, was IPAs. Here's, oh, that's like what I like to I think hear about, yeah. the apartment was like some rich dude's like winter apartment or some shit for like. Yeah, it was like, it was like totally empty, like, but like middle of Williamsburg, like full on rooftop Williamsburg. Like <laughs> there's like games being projected and there were like. <laughs> Yeah, full this like, but it was weird because it was quiet. Furnishings. Oh yeah, like <laughs> like West Elm plus. Yeah, yeah, a few like ultra upscale items. Um, I totally forgot about lovers that. in oh, a dangerous God. space time was being played. <laughs> uh, just all the indie games where it's like, oh, there's three people the talking games, to each yeah. other. To, go up, go. Go man the controls all good. Use the gun. It's like an E3 like multiplayer demo basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was weirder because you just walked in and like no one knew each other. So it wasn't like we were like hanging out with friends. It was so, like, like awkward. It was like, <laughs> like awkward crazy. like games people who were just like, oh, I guess we gotta play Lovers in the Dangerous Space Time for the sixtieth time. Yeah. And like <laughs> And everyone was like just like socially in different circles and styles enough that like you had a passing interest in everyone else but weren't like truly like hey let's be friends status with everyone you know like oh for sure yeah there was some like academic people some like super geeky people some like you know cool people who were like models or some who, shit there was what like some influencers did you fall into? um <clears throat> the kid who was like originally from california um and knew kyle i guess yeah the kid who knew kyle yeah it was it was just weird like i because like no one was there like orchestrating it like i think it'd be different if there was like someone being like okay now everyone go play this and like laugh in the air while holding salad but it was just like you walked in it was like kind of quiet and there was like kind of a structure but at the same time it was like you were just kind of hanging out in a room kind of alone with like mediocre video games. Um, I've been in one of these scenarios too. And there is a video of me floating around somewhere. I'm not going to say what it was for. Oh or who, my God. Track it down. Uh, it's weird, I but it was, I think a if friend you of mine. play video games, you dress slightly well and you wear glasses you're gonna get invited to one of these events at some point or another you know yeah. what i'm saying it's like yeah. recruiters yeah they're like are you a gamer that doesn't have a anime avatar as your twitter icon <laughs> get on over here 
get here. <laughs> I do have one as my Discord icon, which you can find That's out true, oh. if you subscribe to the Bad End Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Bad End. Um, what else did we play? I played um, freaking Ape Out. Ape Out. Ooh. Ape Out. We were trying to figure out before we started recording, have we talked about this game yet on the podcast and couldn't figure it out. So I think the answer is no. Yeah, but... maybe. I feel like we did, but like maybe I'm just... I think this is a passing mention. Yeah. So Ape Out maybe. is about an ape that gets out. and um, <laughs> He sure does. That's it. And you go yeah. around and you kill people. That's the whole game, guys. Yeah. It's pretty fun. And there's a, a cool jazz. It's like a procedural yeah. jazz soundtrack. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, full yeah. On soundtrack. Like, the soundtrack like I think Man. is what makes it memorable for me. Like it's like a pretty, it's a fun like, I guess Hotline Miami esque, but it's not really like that game. But it's like that. I guess it's the genre like, that comes to mind. I guess. I think like the gameplay loop feels Hotline Miami esque. Yeah. Where it's like you're staying out of your enemy's line of. It's a top down. Uh, it's not a shooter because it's all melee, but it's got that like hotline Miami attitude. You could take like three hits before you go down. You're mostly trying yeah. to like evade the guards who are trying to contain you, the ape. And um, you 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 can hold them hostage and then kind of push them into the wall and they splatter into like a blood yeah. fucking and they also fountain. Shoot. Too. Or it depends you. on the gun they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's it's a, it's a cool, fun little thing. But the soundtrack is definitely the draw here. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like um, this is like full on. I was gonna say it's an arcade game, which is true, but it's just like yeah. full on like stream bait game. Like this is so like it's literally like this this like idea of like a game meant for streaming came up, especially when um getting over it with Bennett Foddy was like a thing. Yeah. And I don't know if we've like, we haven't really talked about that concept again recently. And I think it's probably because we haven't seen a ton of games that are like not battle royales that kind of do similar things. I think ape out incidentally also coming from the NYU game center, also having art done by Bennett Foddy um, is in the same sort of category where like I play it and um, it's like fine, but I feel like there's this sort of like, Unlike Hotline Miami, where I feel like it was just kind of fun to play and like be in that world a little bit, Ape Out feels like it's it's got this such like direct line where it's I would almost enjoy watching someone play Ape Out more than me playing Ape Out, or I'd enjoy being watched playing Ape Out. Um, but just playing it alone is like it's fine. It feels really cool and it sounds cool, but like it feels like it, it, it's this game that kind of begs for a kind of external attention or like validation or something um, that people can like feedback to you for like this game would be super dope to have in like an arcade cabinet or something dude, um or like exactly what you're talking about dude i was thinking about yeah. this while i was playing the game too is like it feels like you're, i'm not necessarily playing this game for me like i feel like i should have an audience watching me because it, it feels yeah, like yeah. a dem i don't really know how to describe it but there's definitely a a, a thing here where it's like a style over substance thing not that the gameplay isn't good. Not that it's not fun to play because it is fun. Like you get through it pretty quickly. And it's 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 a dope game, but I do get the feeling that like the it's just bleeding over the edges with style. There's no like it more than a lot of other games, and I guess this is kind of plays into the arcadey vibe. But it doesn't feel like there's really like 
a quote point to it not that video games necessarily have to have a point but it, it just feels very transparent about that where it's like the for instance like the jazz thing doesn't even feel like it's like why jazz with this it's you know why jazz I mean, with yeah, the and monkey it like bleeds thing. into the menus too right like the level things are vinyls like literally like it's like very much yeah it's, it's definitely like style yeah style or substance i guess remi- i was kind of thinking about or when i was playing it it reminded me of this game desert child that i played i think it's yeah, december yeah. which is very like style over substance but it, it was a, that game wasn't as like sharp to play and there wasn't like as much like hooking me there as much as it had like this cool style and this cool kind of like chill lo-fi beats radio type mm-hmm. vibe to it you know <laughs> like it definitely like that's kind of like how it remind me of, like cowboy bebop but more like on the nose you know uh and that game i, I still think that game's like cool and worth playing but uh it yeah the ape out definitely feels like a you play it because it just like has this cool like rhythm to it it's like a literal it's a very rhythmatic type of action game there's i mean you, you like you look at like the environment that game was developed in which is like i don't know if it's actually part of the nyu game center incubator but like that whole institution is very much geared towards like making games that play well in public scenarios yeah, like frank lance is the guy who um like runs the game center and like he worked at area code which was like kind of their whole thing was like public play and then he came in and then all these other people that are there are kind of like focus around the space of like public play, like killer queen kind of came out of that community a little bit too. So like so much of the community of like people who make stuff at the game center is very much focused around. Like if someone's programming something, you're like walking over and like, what, like, Oh, that looks really cool. And so you can imagine in a scenario where you're surrounded by like 60 other to like 120, I mean, a hundred, like 20, hundred, 50 like 400 people that are at the game center at one point walking over your shoulder and saying that looks cool you can kind of lean into that but that doesn't necessarily mean that those types of games translate well to like kind of single alone sittings like i'm not playing this game i'm not streaming it i'm playing it literally alone in my room my like wife sees it but like other than that it's not the sort of thing where like that same environment where the game was created and got a lot of positive feedback around isn't necessarily like the same environment where the thing is happening. So that's why it kind of feels like you want someone to be watching this. Cause it feels like the sort of game that you want to like, you want someone to watch over your shoulder. But if you don't have that, it feels like you're really missing this like really crucial part of someone to kind of respond with you and like, Ooh, and ah, and like, Oh, at the same times that you're experiencing it. But if you're just doing it alone, it feels like you're kind of missing that other half. Yeah. And one thing that I think comes up a lot of the time when you're talking about style versus substance in games is I, I think it comes up a lot with regards to a lot of like kind of Japanese games. Uh, like I think of like Metal Gear Solid. I think of Devil May Cry. I think of, you know, uh, Katamari. Just a, a lot of games that, you know, where the gameplay is good, but it, it's that like kind of vibe is it's, it's, it's more the thing. But there's more of like a blending of those that feels like, a unified artistic vision even though the stylistic elements are like some kind sometimes can seem like a bit of a grab bag right where it's like oh i yeah. love jazz i love like demonic uh, victorian <laughs> imagery i love like uh weird hack and slash mechanics i like motorcycles that's devil may cry um 
or like suit anything suda 51 has made or like yeah exactly yeah. but it's like it feels like one person's unified vision whereas i feel like ape out is not so much of that as like it just doesn't feel as blended together i think that's like my issue with this game it, it does feel like a grab bag of a few different things but it doesn't hit that like oh this all came together for me type thing everything is good on its own but it doesn't mesh into like a cohesive whole that i'm like this is fucking brilliant you know what i'm saying it it falls just short of that to like something that i think is really dope which is still valuable would you say it's like a like a flawed masterpiece <laughs> i would say uh <laughs> no i would not say that i wouldn't say it's a masterpiece um in any sense of the word but i think it's cool yeah i think it's like the I think what you're describing though is a. Uh, is this sort of idea where like you have like basically you have no reason to continue moving forward because there's not really a story. There's not really like, you're not getting, there is some, there's mechanical difference level to level as you like find more people that you can like grab and shit. Um, but there's nothing to like latch on to, to pull you through except for if you're just loving the style of it. Right. Which I think is kind of the sign of what you're talking about where it's like, if you really love these combination of elements, there's great. There's like a whole series of levels for you to enjoy. But if you do that and you're like, oh, it's fine. It plays really well. And you have no other motivation. There's like no other motivation to play it besides like, I want to beat this game or people are watching me or like I'm streaming it to thousands of people. Yeah. It's like that one sitting core game, you know, very oh, one yeah, for sitting sure. core. Just like. It might be a new term. One sit core. One sit core. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Ape out is pretty one sit core. I played a lot. It needs of to be one better. It needs to be more games. flowy. Yeah, we got. You need like a what's like a good, a durational thing that you eat, that takes a lot of time. I'm trying to remember, there's like a better one sit just doesn't really roll off the tongue. I wonder if it can be like a. I'm trying to think of like an easy to eat, for like bananas. Bag I guess, of jerky. You know, Banana, bag you of like jerky core. So there's like a little bit of like. It's a little jerky. bit of, like work to it. <laughs> a bag of jerky. Yeah, I think jerky's not bad. Because you kind of yeah, yeah, you, you got to chew it. You got to yeah. re reach your hand. Well, you got to get the whole bag and you kind of eat it over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it tastes good, but mm -hmm. it's also it doesn't last. Also, which it's is expensive. why you got to eat the whole jerky's bag. Jerky's hella expensive. Yeah. Every time I'm like, I go to get, I'm like, I'm kind of craving jerky, and like, I'm like, seven dollars for this tiny baby bag? What the fuck? I can get a like bag of chips. For like ten times the amount. There's so many great parallels between what you're saying and like gamer core critiques <laughs> of these games. Right. It's like a jerky core game is like definitely like anything that Blendo makes. And it's like, I don't want to pay fifteen dollars for thirty flights of loving. Yeah. This game's not even a bag Isn't of that jerky. Game free? Or is it not? Oh, it's, it's free. Not. Uh, I think it was free. It's, but yeah, I think I think okay. jerky. Well go let's go with jerky. It's a jerky, jerky. game. Mm -hmm. Jerky. I <laughs> Look, guys, <laughs> I ate a lot of beef jerky, so that's why that one came. <laughs> I'm always done with the bag before I expect it. I'm like, I'm You're reaching like, my shit. hand in, fully expecting yeah, to get right? the Sometimes full. you like share with your friends and, and you like, get back to your like, crumbs Fuck. part. I'm like, yeah. what? And you you would have been like, like, I would have savored like, that last bit of jerky the crumbs yeah. already? <laughs> This is bullshit. You're like, I wasn't even getting going. The fucking silica bag comes out into my hand and I'm just like, what? <laughs> This is stupid. <laughs> I always like open the bag one last time just to make sure there's no more little nuggets. 
I do again, shake. man. This is just, these are great shake. game and analogies. Like hot Cheetos, also like flaming hot limon Cheetos. That's oh yeah, you gotta get the flaming hot. Yeah, but yeah, you, like when you're at the crumpler and you just like shake the bag in your mouth. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's what you do. Uh, ape out. You want to transition into the discourse? I actually want to talk about one more game oh. that is kind of part of. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's like it's a hype game right now. Um, have you guys played Risk of Rain two? Oh, I have not. I haven't played Risk of Rain one. No. I saw the trailer oh. and saw it had like some frame rate issues and I was like, but Wow, you're like, I'm a gamer. That matters. I'm a gamer, to me. I care about frame rate. <laughs> I need my frames, fool. I don't you don't play on like study. a Mac though? What? Well, like I play ha- some games on my like low like games that can run on my Mac or games that don't fucking matter. It's like I play. Wait, so I you don't, don't even like, have you I don't have even have a PC. No, I do, but I don't oh, okay. my PC's like pretty old, so it's like even that doesn't run most big games. Like, I can't play big games on I play, like, indie games. Like, I played Heaven's Salt on there just mm-hmm. fine and Type Dreams. And, like, I could play some small games on there, but I can't... If you're throwing a AAA game at me, I can't fucking touch it. I can't outrun that shit on my machine. So oh, Risk of Rain 2, Xbox. not AAA. It is... I would consider it... I wouldn't even say it's double I. I'll say it's, like, double I. Mm. It was, like, a... It was a successful... Um like 2d i don't even know what you call it is it this is actually this get this is a little bit of like a jerky game where <laughs> you <laughs> it's like a multiplayer game that oh you God, play it's gonna be jerky it's a jerky game <laughs> this also this goes into our segue to the next point as well this idea of jerky <laughs> yeah, games for sure for sure um but so the idea of risk of rain is that you are it's a multiplayer game and um <laughs> You play with your friends, as is the case of multiplayer, and you go through a series of stages. And so as you're playing on each stage, the way the game works is that basically as soon as you start playing, a timer starts. And the longer you're, basically the longer you're alive, uh, your whole team is alive, um, the game gets harder. And it doesn't get harder progressively like every second, but there's basically milestones. So like after you're alive for three minutes, the game jumps up a difficulty level. And after you're alive for five minutes, the game jumps up a difficulty level. So the way the game works is that basically you're going from stage to stage, trying to find these like warp portals to go to the next stage. Um, And all that, all the while, while you're doing that, and you don't want to just rush to the warp portal. What you want to do is you also want to kill enemies that are on each stage because they give you, um, they give you like experience points, but they also can drop items. And there's also chests. Oh yeah, so they drop they drop money that you can spend on chests that are in the level that get you basically active and passive abilities that let you more effectively kill stuff. So there's, there's like kind of this loop of like, you want to get to the next level quickly because you don't want to arrive at a level and get like fucked because you're on like hard difficulty already. But you also want to like spend the time trying to get like passive and active abilities so you, so you can like be a more effective fighter. So there's kind of like, kind of like roguelike element of like collecting items that kind of buff up your character. Um, and the main difference between Risk of Rain 1 and Risk of Rain 2 is that Risk of Rain 1 was like a side-scrolling platforming game and Risk of Rain 2 was fully 3D. And like, I was very skeptical at first because the game is kind of weird and it felt like it had to be a part of uh, like a 2D game. But then like full on the 3d version is just better like it's just a 
Like Risk of Rain 2 is just a better version of the same idea, uh, which is super cool because I don't think it's often that you see sequels kind of like take the initial idea and like really push it. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, Josh is uh, vaping right now. That's not me, I swear and, to God. Uh, that's my cousin. I think his vape just no, set off a fire alarm. Dude, that is so it's a vape. Good. It's not me. It's. I'll be right back. <laughs> Should I keep going? Sure. I mean, <laughs> that oh was kind of perfect. I was like cracked up over that, and then suddenly, Josh is just vaping, and now he's like leaving his apartment. It's it's burning down. <sighs> I can keep talking about Risk of Rain though, just because you know it's great. Uh, but it's like so. The game was pretty successful as like a 2D platformer, um, but it's also like doing incredibly well as a like 3D multiplayer game. And it's kind of crazy to me because they're very different. And I think like when Risk of Rain 1 came out, streaming was not as big. And I think what's happened is that speaking of like stream bait games, like this game's got this kind of like there's this element where you can kind of display virtuosity of play, but also you can play with other people and each round is kind of different and you can like get better at it that I think really works well with like streaming and YouTube and stuff. So this game is like skyrocketing in sales um, and like owners just in general. Uh, and like, I think everyone is playing it. Like more people than I ever saw talk about Risk of Rain Run are now talking about Risk of Rain 2. So. Sorry about that. What the fuck? Well, Kyle finishes Risk of Rain rant, so... Do you have any Risk, you have any risk of Rain takes? Um, I've always thought it looked like an interesting game. I just... Uh, I think it's one of those where I definitely saw it as content for the most part because the people who I saw playing it were, like, streamers mostly. And they would play it, like, yeah, while yeah. they were in queue for a matchmaking thing or something like that, you know? Um, and it just... It didn't really, like a lot of there's some games that like are not very legible to the onlooker yeah and risk of rain was like i'm always like what the hell is going on in this game like how does this system work you know yeah basically just point and click yeah but anyway yeah it's cool i didn't know what type of game it was until like pretty recently when risk of rain 2 was announced and like released i was like oh that's what this type of i had no yeah, idea it's like a <laughs> it's a mover and a shooter yeah. and there's passive abilities yeah yeah all right you want to let, let's uh someone in the discord said they haven't heard the break music in a while so you want to do a quick break and then get back to the discourse sure Okay, so we have not brought the bad end listener audience a great second half of the episode where we talk about the discourse. And I don't know if it's because the universe knew that it had been a while, but we just got hit with a, at least a trifecta, maybe a quart, quartet fecta of like crazy discourse stuff that happened. I'm going to like tee it off. Josh is going to sit it down the middle under the fairways and then Katie's is going to sink it. Um, that was golf. <laughs> That's a real game that you play in real life, not on the internet. Great reference. Although you can't Kyle. play it on the internet. 
Um, so three things happened uh, in quick succession. Last week, I think it was. Um, and then Josh's thing happened maybe around the same time. Um, but three things happened. The first was that a piece came out on Kotaku about Fortnite Crunch. Was that Kotaku? Polygon. I think it was Polygon. 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 Yeah, they was- reporting. Yeah. Um, and basically reported on how like uh, the like the the team that works on Fortnite um, was it subject to like very intense crunch, um, which is like perhaps not surprising. It still sucks. So that's a thing. So we could talk about that. But there's a second thing, which is that um, after this article came out, I don't. I think some people say that like Tim Sweeney was trying to like dodge this. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I think he was already in a like a conversation Who's with this Tim dude Sweeney? on Twitter. He is the CEO of Epic Games. Mm. Um, actually, he might be CTO. He was like the founder. I don't know what his actual role is. Yeah, he's now. like the founder. He might be CTO. No, he might be CEO. I don't. He know. might be he's CEO. Someone. He's high up. He's there. up. He's up there. Uh, he's like he basically made Unreal. Um, he was having a conversation with some guy on Twitter that basically said that like he essentially dared Steam to. <clears throat> cut its um, rev share down to like 12% like the Epic store and basically said like, oh, like, well, if like Steam, someone, like, if people are still getting mad about the Epic store getting exclusives and not being on both platforms for like dumb gamer reasons. And he was like, well, honestly, like if Steam dropped their revenue share down to only 12% instead of like the pretty fucking crazy 30%, he's like, we would totally drop our exclusive strategy. And then that got picked up by the games media as basically him challenging Steam. And that became this whole other article that because it was happening at the same time this Fortnite crunch story was breaking, felt like he was trying to dodge this other thing. Right. But I think, I think like, it, yeah. I think it's kind of weird because like it doesn't, if you actually read the thread, it was like way less kind of incendiary than it got picked up to be. Um, either, but it still happened at that time. Then... Another, so we can talk about that. That was an interesting point. <laughs> Another interesting thing happened that I thought was actually shitty. Oh, more shitty, not more shitty than the crunch. That sucked, but was like perhaps more shitty than like Tim Sweeney trying to dodge his story of crunch was that the fucking Apex Legends team used the moment of like Fortnite's crunch story breaking to like try to be like, oh, our team doesn't crunch. That's why we're not putting out content, which felt like also a dodge on the fact that that game has been under fire recently for like not like the, its numbers have dropped significantly since launch. Like we haven't even fucking talked about it on this podcast in like five episodes, um, despite it being like all we were doing a month ago. Um, so that game was like dropping in popularity and for whatever fucking reason, the PR team of apex legends used the story of other people, like having a shitty time at Epic working on Fortnite to basically put themselves up on a pedestal to be like, Oh, you know, this is why our thing is not happening, which like may be true, but like feels like it's in super poor taste to basically capitalize off of someone else's like shittiness right. to say how you're better than them in that moment. So that's another thing that happened. And I feel like this whole little miasma of stuff is like some weird, like it's like, it feels like a state change is happening in like the space of battle Royale and like stores and shit right now that these things put a, um, at least a spotlight on, and then Josh found something recently that's kind of related as well to like how these games are consumed 
which kind of gets back to the very first point, which is that Fortnite people are crunching because there's a certain expectation of cadence of release so that the game does not get dropped like Apex Legends. And Josh found this other thing that I would love for you to talk about too, because I think it's related. Yeah, so there's like a bunch of stuff happening just in the online multiplayer video game competitive community straight up especially with streamers i've been seeing like a lot of conversation in the past couple weeks pokey main who is like a streamer who kind of hops on she kind of hops on to like the biggest game that's out she's like really really popular she was playing fortnite she was playing she started out playing league she was playing some apex um she was talking about how like we i want like a new game to play like they need content and that's the whole thing right is that like content creators need content in order to create content if you're playing if you're a shroud okay and you're playing PUBG, and PUBG has zero people watching it you're not in essence you're kind of like not shroud anymore because your audience evaporates their audience evaporates it's it's correlated with the amount of people who care about the video game so they're kind of and the thing is that these streamers wield immense amounts of power as influencers, uh, as people who playtest these games and tell the devs what to do, as people who uh, are essentially like some of the game's main advertisers. Think of Ninja, how much like Epic has probably given this fool to like push their game because he's like the most popular streamer in the world they have this like kind of symbiotic relationship in some cases though it does seem like the streamers have like a lot of the leverage here because they're essentially rendering a service to video game companies which kind of funny when you think about it you know with all the whole like journalism stuff going on there's like a thousand different like lines being tied together here but that all this is to say that like when it comes to the like content that gamers consume it plays directly into the crunch cycles that we are now considering to be like such a toxic thing within the video game industry. Um, but I think like if you're going to start picking that shit apart, if you're going to start picking apart demand and you're going to start picking apart labor and working conditions, you have to consider the entire ecosystem, right? The universe in which people critique release rates and freshness of content that all takes place within the same realm as crunch right like how do we make this conversation more nuanced that's like that's what i want to know like i think a we have to kind of acknowledge that all of these things are taking place in one ecosystem b we have to kind of like talk about the extent to which a lot of like what these people complain about a lot of what streamers complain about are things that get co-opted by the video game community and by casual players for whom these things should not even fucking matter. Um, yeah, yeah. That's like a huge thing that I want to touch on. Uh, and then just finally, just the whole fact of like, well, is crunch a demand issue or is it like an issue with management? Isn't it an issue with like, maybe you're just, you don't have enough staff working around the clock to do this. Maybe your um, like education and or like handover stuff is not like, isn't good enough to handle the amount of work that needs doing. It, it's hard to say with shit like this, right? I think this is stuff that does warrant further investigation, but it, I, I was, I posted this in our discord again the other day to bring up the freaking discord again. But, uh, I'm a cutie pie who's like one of my favorite League of Legends streamers. 
he like gave this massive rant it's in a youtube video uh i'll try i'll try to link it like with the podcast later on twitter but um he was talking about how you know he's become the thing that he hates where like when a video game comes out he just devours all the content he compared himself to like a locust he just like turns this new thing into like a husk of content and then just t- throws it away and goes on to the next video game and he he's kind of like critical he knows that that's like a bad way to consume games but he like that's just how he consumes the game and i i and he says like he thinks it's okay that there are people that do this and he thinks that there's it's okay that people there, that there are people who don't do that except that like that highest level because of the internet and because of the metagame and because like in order to partake in any community you have to like know what the conversation is in order to participate yourself it encourages like the lowest common denominator of the community which is like your average player who shouldn't care about like how much damage the wingman does per shot like those the two extra damage that's got to get nerfed like the average player shouldn't really care about that the average player is not good at using the wingman which is a very considered a very powerful gun in apex legends for those of you who are not in the know um but like the average player shouldn't care about this stuff to the extent that like a streamer who is playing seven hours a day cares about it. But because the content and environment creates this whole like ecosystem, everyone is forced to treat the game this way. And everyone is forced to turn the video game into a husk. Everyone is turned into locusts essentially. And that perpetuates crunch. It perpetuates toxic behavior towards developers. It perpetuates all the things that like are wrong with video games now um and i think that like there's no extent to which we hold content creators responsible for this stuff because like hey they're just doing videos you know like what is their responsibility in all this um but like all these things tie together in a very real way that is just like unsustainable it's totally unsustainable and now i think it's catching up to content creators who who are like uh we fucking ground through apex legends in like three weeks and we don't have any other game to play what do we do now you know yeah i think i mean like part of what you're getting at that i think is something that you were you were kind of saying in more words than this but that like basically it's i think it's this notion of like players caring about streamer concerns or like professional gamer concerns is like part of it, but I think what it's what's also happening is essentially that not only that, but basically when a streamer is done with the game, you are done with the game. So if no one is streaming the game, you are not playing the game. Like it's it's a, there's a difference between like, and I think I think what happens is that people are not, I assume, watching like all seven hours of a streamer playing a game every day for like two weeks or something they're like watching it like three or four times. And because like, there's this kind of crazy thing that happens when you watch a game streamer where you like, you feel like they're your friend or you're hanging out with them or whatever. When your friend is no longer playing a game that you care about and you want to play with your friend, like you're not going to play that video game. Mm -hmm. So I think that not only is like, and in the same way, like if you have a friend who's like playing magic and cares about a specific aspect of magic, you're going to be thinking about that thing. 
And like the way these people consume games is such that they start caring about all of the shit that you would never think about if you were not playing this game, like Josh was saying, nonstop for weeks at an end, such that when this person is like also decided to discard the game, you have like little to no incentive to discard the game because they've also already got to the point that you will inevitably get to uh, like, but in two months from now. And by then, why would you continue playing that game if they're already done with it? You could just play the new stuff that they're playing. So it becomes like not only are you kind of internalizing their logic and their understanding, but your their activity for play is kind of becoming the sort of way you engage with something as well, even if you have none of the same motivating factors that make you kind of consume like that. And it's been weird to watch like Shroud kind of like stop playing Apex Legends because like he does the thing that like a lot of streamers have been doing where when you go into a server and it's like super slow. Have you guys had this when you play Apex where the server comes up and it's like you move in like slow motion for like three minutes and it's just like it feels really broken what? and it's like messed up. No, I this is a very oh, big whoa. been a very big issue in Apex Legends and something that a lot of. Oh, I wonder if that's a PC only problem because I haven't had that in uh, PS4. Maybe I've I've had the issue like yeah. quite a bit on PC, but. Weird. He'll encounter this thing and he starts screaming. He's like, oh, I hate this. Like, this game is fucking broken. Like, shit like that, where it's like, he, he's not <laughs> that bad about it, but it does get to, like, he's clearly upset. He He's like, yeah. I'm, I got maybe three <laughs> games left in me before I start playing something else. Like, I can... Uh, and a lot of streamers do this shit where they weaponize that and they're like, I'm just going to move to a different thing because they know that like the developer is more incentivized to change their shit. But it's like, what other game are you going to fucking play? The game that you complained about a month ago? The, the game you complained about a year ago? So he started playing PUBG again and he's like, he has these clips of himself. Like I watch his every YouTube video that comes out for Shroud. I watch it and he's like, why did we stop playing this game? This is like a pretty good game. And he's like, just zero self, like zero self-awareness about it whatsoever. <laughs> All the streamers that do this shit, man. I've been watching like this dude, Mendokusai. He is like the biggest complainer I have like ever heard in my entire life. And he's like, and they all treat it as if like you're a professional company. Like you're like you're, you're supposed to know what you're doing. Like just zero awareness of the fact that like it's really hard to make a video game and really hard to create like ongoing content for the shit. Like, what do you want? There's man? like, there was um, I posted this in the uh, the Discord. Um, and it was the, it I go I posted a video of um. Uh, day nine was playing the pre-release for the new magic expansion war of the spark and there's a, he played a cool combo or whatever but like part of his like whole spiel and that whole youtube video is that he's like pissed off at wizards of the coast he's like he's like joke pissed off but joke pissed off in the way like you're saying josh that someone who's like has like less like awareness of the joke or so would basically take that and use that as a weapon against a developer um where he's just like making fun of the fact that so wizards of the coast basically comped him a uh, an account for magic the gathering arena that already had all of the war of the spark cards so he wasn't like spending his own money to like get all the cards he could just play a pre-release account and like show off all the cool new shit and like between every queue he's like getting mad because he's like unlocking stuff as if he's like a level zero player so he's like unlocking new cards and decks and there's like the tutorial prompts are coming up and it's like it becomes this ongoing joke about how he's like why didn't wizards of the coast why is this on for a fucking account and it's like 
you fucking asshat. Like, I love Day 9, but also you're suggesting that a fucking developer makes you a one-off build just for you, just for this account, just because you don't want to sit through 10 seconds of tutorials yeah. on your stream. It's like, fuck you, dude. Like, yeah. that is not how this shit works. And the fact, like, this whole, like, at this time, someone else quoted something about this, about, like, this sort of proliferation of, like, gamer logic, um, like, game design critique channels. It's, like, a thing that is happening as well. And it feels, like, totally related to that, where all these streamers have these sort of opinions about like how things should be done to accommodate them. And it's like, dude, you are the like 0.0001% of the way people consume these games. It doesn't fucking matter that much. Like no one's going to do that for you. You're not some like princess that needs like everything done for them. Just fucking deal with the tutorial for 10 seconds. And the other thing is that they don't understand that. Be I think they, they equate being very skilled at the game with being like therefore they know more about like what the game should feel like what the ideal version of this game feels like which okay sure if you if you want apex legends to be the most esports friendly if you want apex legends to be the most balanced if everyone playing it was a pro if you want apex legends to be better matchmaking so that matches could be more competitive or whatever you could implement all of these changes and i think they kind of equate that perspective their own perspective with like well that's just unequivocally better than whatever the developer is doing right like but the truth of the matter is a fortnite for instance has a lot more people to please than just like the top three percent of people who play that game like you're not gonna balance a gun be for those people because like not everyone works with that gun the same way they have to think about this shit way more because the most visible players are not necessarily the entire player base in fact the way that these people play is off often way disconnected from the way that like some five-year-old kid is gonna play fucking Fortnite, right but what has been most absurd to me is i see these little kids okay there was a little seven-year-old kid at this easter party i was at the other day and my mom was like hey josh plays video games why don't you talk to him about games <laughs> and i was like oh god here we go here we go Look, don't get, get me wrong I, ta yeah. I like talking to kids about video games i like geeking out and all that stuff but he starts talking to me. he basically starts like half regurgitating points that he heard some like british youtuber say in his video about like gun balance and shit but like also clearly he he didn't like actually didn't like he, know yeah, what he doesn't know saying, what yeah. the guy is saying he doesn't know what the actual issue is or the nuances behind it or anything he's just like he saw this youtube video and he's just like shooting the shit about it he doesn't know how marketing works he doesn't know how stakeholders work he doesn't know what epic games is like internally like but he's regurgitating all these points to me about like oh well fortnite they have like shra or uh ninja makes does this much and he does it and i'm just like oh wow i guess you do you know a lot about this game because like the pissed off british guy at youtube.com is like you watch one video of his or whatever you know that's what it is with like all these dudes like 
who think they're fucking hot shit on these platforms they have like thousands and thousands of five-year-olds a couple hundred thousand 12 year olds and then like a bunch of like (laughs) not well adjusted 20 somethings just looking at their videos and taking it as truth and it's like it's funny that like these fucking demographics are like just regurgitating the shit even though like i can watch that video and be like okay like i i see what you're saying but you're also like you're you're not thinking about like 10 things that are also important to this story. I see that shit every single time I read a goddamn Monte Cristo tweet. I'm like, I saw some tweet that was like, Oh, Ma- sorry. I'm just going off on a tangent here, but like, I love his voice. Monte Cristo <laughs> I want to hear what like, goes. Oh yeah. Monte Cristo. He's a dick, but he's not wrong. And it's like, what? No, he's a dick and he is wrong. Like (laughs) this guy is a total asshole. Like, yeah, he's a great analyst and yeah, he knows a lot about Overwatch, but also like I would not trust this guy in a social situation with like people who have lived normal lives because this guy is so detached from the real world that he just sounds like a chode every time he opens his mouth. (laughs) There's this, there's a great, um, it's a quote from, it was like, I want to say as one of the lead developers of like Starcraft, um, but he said it was it was less of a quote. It's more of a stat, but he was basically like something like only five to ten percent of your player base will play a game competitively, um, and I think that's probably still true. I don't think that's changed, but I think what is crazy is that what's happened that's been the big shift in the past like decade is that that five to ten percent of the population has become the most the 90% most visible person, yeah. which means that if you're watching a game, you're forced, you're like, basically like Josh said, like it's, it's fucking hard to avoid this where like, it's hard to watch a video about Starcraft two without ha- having someone also try to like, you know, talk to you about why Starcraft two is broken and how they should fix it. And like all the other shit wrong with it. Or, like literally any other fucking game, like everyone's got to have like a game design opinion now about like why this thing is broken because at the like the highest level it's like you fucking look at um the i really like i don't like league of legends but i love the design behind it and a lot of people that are actually working on that team and they've like done talks about the ways heroes get played at different skill levels in league of legends and this like gets to what josh is talking about where like it's not the case that like the win rate of a hero is constant for every single person. It's so like said differently. If you played the game for an hour, 10 hours, a hundred hours, a thousand hours, you know, 10,000 hours, win rates of heroes fluctuate across those skill levels. So when like fucking day nine or like whoever the biggest, like um, league of legends player is talks about something where they think a hero is broken they're literally only addressing that scenario for like 3% of the population that plays at that level. And that hero's skill being like broken to them might actually be a gimp on a lower level skill player where that hero is not in competitive play. So this, I mean, it's the same, you think of like more traditional way to think about this is like tier lists in like fighting games where certain heroes perform better at higher skill levels but like heroes that feel cheesy do better at lower skill levels because they're easier to exploit. But if you're smarter and have more experience, it's easy to block and counter that stuff. So it's like these people are literally only talking to a subset of like the whole population of stuff that plays these games, but everybody who sucks 
have some reason to like care about the way this person thinks the game should be played. And it's like, that's just not fucking true, dude. Like there's no reason you should care about like a fucking tick rate. Like no one should care about tick rate. That is just a, that is a thing that only affects like this very small portion of people, but like gamers fucking latch onto it because they're like, Oh, this matters. This really matters to shroud. This really matters to fucking everybody else. I've got to care about it too. And it's like, no, you don't you don't have to care about it. It does not matter yeah. for how you play the game. Yeah, like for me, it's like I just care about does it run smooth? Yeah, it's like Can does it, it run get in the well? matches quickly? Like that's really like all that fucking affects. Is there a me. server like, browser? Like, like Yeah, like there's just like, you know, is it easy to use? Can I hop in? Do I have any trouble? Like, you know, that's all that matters. Like I don't care about net code. I don't care about <laughs> I don't fucking know half these phrases. In fact, you know net code fucking does. blows my mind. Like that is not a thing that people should care about. You should care about I, that yeah. if you like care about input lag on a keyboard at a fucking conference where you're playing a game in front of 10,000 people. The fact that like netcode and game engine are like part of the vernacular of discussing games blows my fucking mind because it just does not matter. Well, maybe yep. if you were better at the game. Well, damn, Kyle. you're fucking right. I got to get good. <laughs> that's why I fucked up. Damn, that's the problem. I didn't get good. Yeah. No. All this stuff is like, it's just so crazy to me because like, I know that people are not playing on that level. Like everyone who talks shit is not playing at that level. Everyone who talks shit about Hearthstone, so many people talk shit about Hearthstone. Most of the people who talk shit about Hearthstone, but most of them like are probably bad at Hearthstone. They're probably making really bad decisions (laughs) and then like some random card like some like random effect triggers and then it kills them and uh but if they had played differently they would have won but there's no way you can see that when it comes to hearthstone so they just see see that they lost they see that they lost to a random effect and they're like this game is freaking bad um i i don't want it to come across here like we're just trying to like defend developers here because yeah sure like there is some sense like there's some they have responsibility for this shit, especially when you like create certain sets of expectations, when you like go into the environment that gaming is currently looking like right now. Like there's stuff that I think people expect of you that like it's good to fulfill. But at the same time, like you need to accept that when we're talking about like labor issues, when we're talking about like the fact that people only have 24 hours in a day and if you work at epic games like you can only be in there for so many hours like you still have a family you still have your kids you still have whatever you want to have a work-life balance i just don't think that like people take that shit into consideration they don't take into consideration like the fact that games are made by people and if they could create all the content that you wanted they would make all that goddamn content because i'm sure that they would be able to sell it but uh we don't live in a world with like where that's really possible um so i like something needs to change like expectations need to change uh the environment of streamers and this whole weird discourse that takes place at a way higher level than is actually real in the world needs to change um i think like the general attitude needs to change like there's so much shit here that's like freaking toxic and infected and it's just super not sustainable and i think it's only going to get worse um as time goes on you know like what are people going to do what are people going to resort to are they just gonna maybe they will just revert to playing the old games they used to play but um 
the whole like we need constant new games i'm sorry homies like not everybody is working on the next apex legends not everyone and if they are it's probably going to be more like the next freaking um realm royale you know if anything or it's gonna yeah it's gonna take like three years to come out like yeah you gotta slow your fucking roll yeah anyway you want every game to be the be-all end-all of video games multiplayer video games yet at the same time you also want to like juice every game in one month like what is what's it gonna be guys um do you want to talk about anything else no that's good this is fucking end it juice that was some juice um some juice we are bad end podcast thanks so much for listening uh you can rate us and review us on itunes uh we are also available on spotify you can subscribe to our patreon if you want to help us out with a little uh casheroni um you can help us out on our patreon we are patreon.com slash bad end find us on twitter at bad end podcast email us at bad end pod at gmail.com and we will see you in a couple weeks later see you guys